Dum dum da 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 dum dum da da dum dum da 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 dum dum da da dum dum da 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 dum dum da 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 dum dum da 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 dum dum dum. Hello and welcome back to the Young Life Buckeye Region podcast. Our Young Life Region was hoping we could gather leaders and staff for a few theology courses this summer, but COVID nineteen said change your plans. So we have moved some of the teachings we had planned onto the internet in digestible podcast form for you to listen to at your convenience. This episode is with Ohio State Young Life College staff. Derek Wan and his wife Kelsey. And the two of them are talking with Buckeye Young Life Regional Director Rich Darginio about healthy dating relationships. So, without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation. Dum dum da 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 dum dum dum. Picture the setting right now. We're at Rich Darginio's kitchen table. If that's not good enough, you have Derek and Kelsey Wan with us who are actually on staff at OSU doing Young Life College. And so today, if that's not even good enough, we're going to talk about a subject that I think many of you might be very interested in. We're actually going to talk about, or they're going to talk about, sex and dating. That should be something that you guys would be interested in. Now, here's what you're thinking, but you wouldn't actually say, is what makes Derek and Kelsey uh, qualified to teach this topic? And I want to ask you, are you experts, and what qualifies you guys to be having this conversation with us today? Well, Rich... Buckeye Region, thanks for having us. Uh, we do have two kids, so we've at least had some experience in this uh, sphere. <laughs> Kelsey has more, I think. She had that, yeah, that affected her more than me. But, <laughs> uh, but no, we're we we're not experts. Uh, we we didn't go to school for this. Uh, we've made lots of mistakes, and both before we never even met each other, and in our own dating lives, and you know. Um, but we just feel like as we've yeah had the journey on this road ourselves and then had had the privilege of counseling lots of people through it, um, we just feel like scripture and the Lord has taught us a lot. Uh, so we're excited to share our journey and talk about what we've learned the hard way so maybe you guys don't have to make some of the same mistakes that we did. That's great words, great words. There's a lot of wisdom and, and experience. So uh, to get us started, we're, we're gonna, I'm just going to fire a couple questions at you. You guys have a lot of content. And by the way, these guys have talked a lot about this over the years and have done this a couple times. So we'll try to get as much out in just a few minutes uh, to hopefully give you good conversations. But to get us started, first question I have for you guys is, um, how would you say our culture and the views of our culture about sex, how does it differ from what the Bible's view of sex is? I think that's pretty central because we're constantly hearing what our cultural says about sex and about relationships how would you say it differs from biblical view of sex? Yeah, I think, yeah, this is really important. Um, I think starting with culture, like that culture has a really inconsistent view on sex, like a hypocritical view. Because uh, on the one hand, you'll hear culture tell you like sex is no big deal. Like as long as you're consenting adults or not even adults, but you know, whatever of, of age you can, and it's, you can have sex with whoever as long as you guys agree. And it's, it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not like some special crazy thing. Like saving it for marriage seems like insane because it's just not a big deal. But then on the flip side of that, the, you'll have advertising like in magazines and stuff that talk about how sex is the key to happiness. And here's the here's the way to make your sex life the most amazing thing in the world. So it's kind of talking out of both both sides of its, of its mouth. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's also, um, you know, we, we know and we can all agree on, I think that things like rape and sexual abuse are serious, heartbreaking issues that our culture deals with um and knowing that knowing that we have extra police units for things like that um we we know that and then 
we also, how can we say along with that that it's still just sex? Yeah, so we, the world will tell you it's just sex, it's no big deal, but we know that's not true. And, the, and culture knows that that's not true. Like culture knows that it's, it, there is a bigger deal, there's something more that's, that's going on. Um, so then, so, okay, so what does the Bible say? What does God say about sex? Um, uh, we think, like, because people I think are tempted to think a lot of culture thinks, like, God's taking sex and put all these restrictions and rules on it and, and trying to sap all the fun out of it. Um, and it, scripture couldn't be more clear that it's, it's totally opposite of that. Like God created sex. He loves sex. It was his idea. Um, he wants it to be amazing and awesome. Um, there's lots of places we could talk about scripture. If you don't believe me, you should check out song of Solomon. If you never have, um, like God is, God is very serious about sex being awesome. He's not trying to sap the fun out of it. So would you guys say the Bible has an elevated view of sex? Totally. Elevated because of how important it is, whereas the world both elevates it and then tries to – it's confused. It doesn't know how to think about sex, whereas the Bible knows that sex is this really important thing. Um, That's and, good. Yeah. Um, I know this is going to take some vulnerability, but I think this will connect with all of us listening now. But could you guys share like some of your personal journey – of what's kind of brought you to a place of learning and, and again, as vulnerable as you feel you can be, but uh, what's your personal journey so that I think a lot of people could identify with that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'll start with that, Rich. So um, my dating history kind of started in college and um, I would say that I use <clears throat> dating. It was definitely an idol in my life. And, um, I was looking to relationships, um, to fill an identity in myself that I wasn't, that wasn't being filled, um, with Christ at that point. And so, um, I would jump from relationship to relationship, trying to meet, um, this ideal that I had in my mind of, you know, what I should, um, what I should be looking for. And so, um, it was selfish of me because I was using essentially um, the people in those relationships for my own gain uh, and my own idea of what I needed in life. Um, And it also left me um, after each of those relationships, encounters, whatever it was, um, feeling a little bit emptier than I had beforehand because, uh, you know, with, with each of those relationships, I was giving a piece of myself away. Um, and yeah, I would say that's kind of where I was in college. It was, um, definitely where I was finding my identity. You know, it's cool. You you say that Kelsey, I think what we're heading to here is what's kind of healthy for our own lives and spiritual life. And you could even start to say, as you were talking that you were talking about health, Mm-hmm. Um, as a human being and how relationships could either be unhealthy or healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, like, you know, in high school, I had several um, girlfriends throughout high school. Uh, and I was, I was a campaigner kid. Like I was trying, I was going to campaigners every week. I was trying to study scripture and be on mission um, with, with like the leaders and my friends. Uh, but I didn't really talk about my dating relationships with anyone because I was, I didn't want anyone to ask me questions about it. I was kind of ashamed, but also, you know, I, so it, they were pretty physical. Jesus had nothing really to do with it. Um, 
And, and I didn't talk to anyone about it because I didn't want anyone to know. Like I wanted to kind of do my own thing. I wanted to separate that as like, this is kind of, I'm figuring this out on my own I'm, and I'll be the good campaigner Christian kid over here. Um, and you can speak into any of that stuff you want, but don't, don't ask me about the dating stuff. Uh, and it was totally, the reason for that is because it was totally selfish. Like I was, I was giving those people whatever I thought they wanted, which was typically like emotional connection and relational connection. And so that I could get the physical in return. Like I, and I, I like the emotional too. I'm not trying to make it like that, that didn't matter to me, but yeah, I, I was, it was a selfish thing. Like it was like, I want to feel like I'm liked. I want to feel like this person is like super attracted to me and, um, and how they talk to me and how they, what, the, what we do together physically affirms my identity of like, oh, I'm wanted and I'm lovable. And, um, yeah. So coming out of high school into college, um, having some older guys, you know, finally having conversations with them and being honest about what my dating history had looked like and really getting serious about what scripture says about, um, relationships and marriage. Like I, I was like, okay, I, I've never done this right in my life. I've totally blown this, even though I've been like, people thought I had my stuff all together and I was totally the opposite. So I don't, I don't know what good dating looks like, but because I don't know, I'm not going to try it anymore. Like I'm tired of, I've really hurt some of these people in the past and, and it's hurt me too. And I'm like, so I don't, I don't know how to date well, so I'm just going to not do it um, until I'm ready. And I don't even know what that means. And so for me, that meant I didn't date anyone in college, like not, nothing. Um, there was, I definitely had like crushes on, on some girls and thought about it and stuff, but I, I was like, I'm not ready. Like I'm going to blow it again. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't even meet Kelsey until, um, I was already out of college. Uh, and I'll be real. There was part of me when I graduated that definitely thought, I'm going to be single the rest of my life. Like this was my one chance. I had my shots to meet someone and get married. All my friends, it felt like we're getting married. I didn't meet someone or I didn't pursue someone or whatever. I'm screwed. I'm just going to be an old weird dude. Um, so I definitely had some of those thoughts, but at the same time, you know, so now you're just a married weird Weird dude. dude. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And getting older. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, it wasn't, I knew I had blown it so bad. I knew I didn't want to do that again. And so I was just going to pull back from the whole thing. Um, so then we can take our story to when, when we met, uh, for me, I, a big, a big deal was I had told multiple people I loved them before and it, it meant nothing. Like it, it, it did not mean a thing. I didn't even know what that, what love really was. It was, it was totally selfish and not sacrificial. And as I had learned, because I hadn't dated for so long and I had actually like taken scripture seriously and learned that like the Bible's view of love is this like one way, sacrificial, unconditional I was like, that's a big deal to say that to someone. So I'm not going to say that to someone until I'm ready to actually commit to that. Cause I, I started to see the connection between like love and commitment. Um, and so I told Kelsey that pretty early, like maybe on our like second date or something. <laughs> I'm like, you know, hey, just so you know, like I, the next person I say, I love you too. And like a dating relationship is going to be my wife. Like, I'm not going to say that until I know for sure that that's the person that I can commit to. Um, and I had been in the habit of, um, giving physically whatever the other person wanted and was asking for so that I could receive what I wanted emotionally. Um, and so this for, for me, I feel like was really, was a healthy healing thing and kind of created some boundaries, um, early on in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, the first time I ever said, I love you to Kelsey was the next thing I did was get down on one knee and, and pull the ring out and show her that like, I'm willing to back this up now. Um, now. Now that sounds like a really romantic thought. And I could see some guys, cause I'm pretty simple and dumb. If I'm being honest back then to think, okay, that's a romantic play. 
But what was behind that? Because I think that's really important on why you would wait to verbalize that. What And maybe even Kelsey, if you wanted to, yeah. what did you hear when I that think, happened? I um, think it really protected our hearts throughout our relationship to not be throwing that around, I love you, um, before we knew that a, a lifelong commitment was going to come with it. Yeah. And I think that's what's more important than like, if you're listening to this and you're dating someone and you've already said that, this is not to like make you feel bad or think you've done something wrong. Like I think what Rich is asking and what, what I was trying to do is the heart behind that is like showing her that like, until I'm committed to you forever, I'm not committed to you forever. Like there is a difference and like, this may not work out. And we're, we'll probably talk about this more later, but you know, it's protecting, so it's protecting me and protecting her that like, mm-hmm. Until we know that we're ready to covenant, promise each other, unconditional, like, look each other in the face and say forever, like, no one else, I'm not going to let her think that that's where I'm headed until I'm, I'm ready to. And then once I'm ready to commit, I'm ready to commit and we're going to do that. Like, the, not live in this weird, we, let's talk about it for a long time. You know, it's like, let's figure out if we're ready to do it when we are. Let's do it. Like, there's not. And I was admittedly frustrated with that in the beginning, but I um, <laughs> eventually, you know, understanding your heart behind it later felt respected by it. So there's timing with intimacy, I think is what you're saying. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's not all in the beginning. It's It kind of grows as the relationship and the trust and the direction. Mm-hmm. So timing is really important mm-hmm. for yes. vulnerability. Totally. Totally. That's good. Great. Um, well, we have, you know, we have amount of time here. I think a lot of us want to hear practicals, you know, and so I know you have a bunch of these. I'd like you guys to talk about um, with all that you've been through in your lives, even you just started talking about a little bit with how you guys basically dated before you got married. Um, what are suggestions you have for developing and having healthy dating relationships? And maybe that even goes to before you date, but how we just relate to people, you know, that sets up healthy dating relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think we could take the rest of our time just talk about those kind of things. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I think we'll kind of start big picture and then maybe get a little bit more specific. Uh, so just kind of what we were just talking about a second ago is realizing that when in, when you're in a dating relationship is that that person is not your spouse until you actually covenant and promise like biblical biblical promise that is like lifelong commitment. That until that happens, they are not that, and that, that means they might be somebody else's. Um, and so realizing that like. Even as we started, as we dated for a while and I was like, man, like we got close to that. I still had to remind myself, like, until you make a promise to her forever, like she, she might be somebody else's wife one day. Uh, and you need to remember that. So you need to treat her in a way that you can with integrity, look that person in the face and Mm -hmm. be like, I cared for your spouse as well as I could while we were dating. Um, so I think just knowing, like having that mindset of like, they're not yours in covenant relationship until you actually covenant. Um, so with that, you can have a vision for how long your ramp is. And when, so if you're a sophomore and you just started dating someone and you guys are planning to graduate in two and a half years, like that is the absolute earliest you might possibly get married probably. So if you, if your relationship takes off in the beginning and you're growing really quickly in emotional and physical and spiritual intimacy, it's super hard to level that off or even to go back down if that all happens in three months and you still have two years to go. Like, Instead, if you're thinking of it like a, if you could picture a graph, like you're looking for like kind of a steady gradual line from when you start dating to when you might possibly get married and you want to like grow in intimacy at a gradual steady rate as opposed to quick peaks and valleys or 
quick peek and then leveling off. So that, that's just like a, a picture, hopefully, that you can picture thinking about it. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think one of the um, key things that was helpful for us and that I've seen be helpful for other people is not to have your significant other be your best friend and your only friend. Not to isolate yourself, but to keep, you know, girls, like, keep your best girlfriends close um, because they might have some really insightful and helpful things to tell you. Um, so if, you know, all your close friends are agreeing on the fact that um, you're dating someone who's a jerk, then it might be wise to listen to them. Um, and same thing, you know, for the guys, not to, what do you want to say on yeah, totally. Yeah, same thing. Like we need to we need to have good friendships because they can see clear what we what was murky for us when mm-hmm. we're in the middle of the be- especially the beginning when it's all exciting and new. So yeah, I think just having that mm-hmm. when if, if if multiple of your friends are saying the same thing and you disagree, you're probably the one that's wrong, not them. <laughs> like if they're you know what I'm saying like you just have to have that. So and to have that conversation, you have to have friends that are understanding what's going on and speaking into it. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is the body of Christ actually plays a part. And your community plays a part in what God's doing in your life and in that relationship. I mean, not to the extreme where everyone's in on it, but mm-hmm. there should be a check and a balance and maybe a confirmation. Yeah. Totally. From the body of Christ. That's totally. Cool. And I think to go to like the everyone being in on thing, this is especially true for like if you guys are in college probably. I've also seen it swing way too far where it feels like everyone's trying to like live out the bachelor in real life on campus. And they're like, they want to know everything about everybody and they want to be all in on the drum and they want, everyone wants to speak into each other's relationship. And like, that's not what we're talking about either. We're just saying a few close friends that know you the best and you trust the most. Like Mm -hmm. you need to have honesty and vulnerability with them so that they can, yeah. So that you can have wise counsel as you try to figure this out. But it's not everyone's business. So if you're that person, you need to relax. Like if you're the person that's trying to know exactly what's going on with everybody and trying to like, honestly, it literally feels like people are trying to not only play The Bachelor, but as if it's The Sims and The Bachelor had a baby. So you're like puppet master controlling stuff. And it's, it's weird. It's weird. If you're doing that, you need to stop. It's not good for anybody. Uh, it's a good picture. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the emotional um, boundaries, just having other people that you can speak to about stuff that you're going through so that you're not emotionally um, kind of catapulting your relationship um, with your significant other. Uh, That's, you know, kind of the Bible talks about how our heart is the wellspring of life. And um, that's a key to to protecting that, I think. And and one more thing on that real quick is Mm -hmm. like, if you, if you're dating someone, you start to feel isolated 99% 99% of the time, that's your fault because it's not like your friends don't want to be your friend because you have a, all of a sudden you have a dating relationship. It's because you have isolated yourself by not spending time with them. So that, but that also means you're in control and you can rebuild that relationship. Like you can admit that like, Hey, I've kind of, I've kind of closed you guys off. I haven't spent like you can. So it's easy to fix once you acknowledge it, but it starts with you acknowledging it. Like you have to, if you're the one that's in a dating relationship and it just will, yeah, it's to protect you from yourself so that you can be emotionally healthy um, with that relationship is having a couple people that can know what's going on so they can actually speak into it. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. <clears throat> Any other kind of practicals that you guys think are helpful for healthy relationships? Uh, so th- I think there's kind of three big things. Emotional is the first one. The second would be physical. Uh, and I think that this is something once you're in a dating relationship that you need to talk about early and often. It's not something that you ever just achieve and it's okay. We've, we're good to go there now. It's something that needs to be a constant conversation. 
Um, and, you know, in terms of like boundaries and what you're comfortable with and what you're going to be doing uh, as a as a, a dating relationship. Uh, but the boundaries thing is is way more than like looking at someone and drawing lines on their body of like what's okay and what's not okay. It's way more about, it's deeper than that. And the Bible talks about deeper than that. It's like if you truly care about this person, you're going to wait for physical stuff because you know that that's going to, you can spend the rest of your lives enjoying that, how God created it to be. And so it's not just like looking at like, okay, how close can we get or what's like the, the absolute cutoff? It's the opposite. It's like, how can I elevate this person so close to Jesus and be okay laying down whatever physical desires I have mm-hmm. because I'm trusting that, that those are going to, the reason I have those are good. God created them within the covenant marriage. So it's not how much can we do and still be okay. It's like how little could we do until we get married so that we can have full enjoyment then. Because you're looking at being healthy. That's a, a healthy thought to say that physical, emotional, and I think you'll probably talk about spiritual, but how those all pull together as a whole person and you're mm-hmm. thinking about all aspects, not just the physical. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just to be clear, like we, we know that it's really, really freaking hard to have those physical boundaries when you're dating. Um, but I think having people in your corner who you can talk to about that and who you can trust to call you out um, and help ask you those hard questions is is really important. Um, because like we talked about in the emotional piece, this person might not be your spouse. And um, so as brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to be able to um, have integrity and and know that, you know, even if they end up marrying someone else that um, we don't have to feel guilty for those things, would you say? Yeah. Um, and it's it's not not easy, and it's also, it gets harder the further you get in your relationship. Um, yeah, so find people that you can trust to to ask you those hard questions and be in your corner. Yeah, and I mean, the categories the Bible gives for relationships are family and that like either a brother and sister or spouse there's there's not an in-between category for the bible and so i think we should take our dating and, and think that way too like until until i married kelsey she was my sister in christ was our primary relationship um and so how, i need to i need to think about her that way primarily not as mm-hmm. my future wife because i don't know if that's gonna be true or not um and then uh, <clears throat> yeah another another thought with the physical um is that along with what Kelsey was just talking about, uh, is that, and I've heard people tell me this and I wish I would have believed them when I was in high school, but like, so basically the, the devil, the enemy, the lies from the culture will want you to have as much sex as possible before you get married. Mm -hmm. And then that flips once you get married and like the temptation from the devil culture, whatever is to stop having sex. Like, Oh, marriage is bad for sex. You're not going to have it as much. Uh, you start having kids, life gets crazy and busy. So it just flipped on its head. Whereas like the Bible would say like, wait and protect it because it's going to be awesome. If you do that, um, mm-hmm. the world is the opposite. It's like have as much as you can, whenever you can before marriage. And cause afterwards it's going to, it's not going to be as good. Um, and the, like another image to think about that is, uh, script, like you, when something is awesome, you protect it. Like if you have a, if you have a diamond, that's really valuable you put that in a safe in a bank. You don't leave it on your front porch. Mm-hmm. And that's how the Bible talks about um, sex and marriage. It's like, because it's so valuable and so precious and so beautiful, you want to, it, the Bible puts guardrails around it to protect it, to make it, to make it better, not to suck life out of you. And just also um, 
you know, we're talking about all those boundaries, but there is, there is grace. Like Derek and I both touched briefly on how um, we had crossed physical boundaries in, in past dating relationships. There is grace for that, but um, it's also, you know, not, you don't want to say like, oh, we've already crossed that line, so we might as well just keep crossing it until we get married. Um, because they're emotionally, that doesn't really protect you um, either. So I would, you know, there's, there's grace, but moving forward together, um, yeah, to, to flee from that temptation is. Yeah. It's that weird mix of like, there is totally great. And like how you are viewed, your identity, what God says about you, you are mm-hmm. son and daughter of the King. All of that is true. And it, your past does not define you. At the same time, the way that God has designed the natural world to work has mm-hmm. natural consequences. So you don't, you cannot change your past and should not dwell on it or ha- be haunted by it, but you should take your future really seriously because it will have a direct impact. Again, whether you get married or not, because you might not, and then it will really have a detrimental impact. And if you do get married, you still might bring in some weird baggage and guilt and shame um, that wouldn't, doesn't have to be there if we hadn't done that. But if you're, yeah, if you're making mistakes, it's not too late. Like any, any, the Lord can redeem and use anything, but the future matters too. So you should take it seriously. And yeah. I think, Okay. No, you go ahead, go. That just kind of transitions into that third point of spiritual, um, because you want to you want to be in a relationship with someone who was on the same page with you spiritually, um, and it'll make those emotional and physical boundaries way easier uh, to keep. Yes, and all three of these work in tandem with each other. So, if you think that you can like be really spiritually intimate with each other and pray together a lot to be the, be the main person that you talk to about what God's teaching you and you're reading scripture together and you're really growing deeply in intimacy with spiritual stuff. And you think you can resist the physical and the emotional it's that's impossible. Like, cause, because the Bible says we're not our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our souls aren't separate from each other. They're, they're combined. Uh, can I, can I give you one thing that my young life area director told me oh, when man, I was in I college? Wait. Yes. Give us the gold, Rich. <laughs> this was the gold. He said, those who pray together, lay together <laughs> and at first we we're like what are you talking about like you're praying together and it's like no that emotional and spiritual bond of prayer is what makes it harder to resist the temptation physically totally because we can't separate them like we're not you can't put it in silos the emotional the spiritual and the physical they are intertwined and you yeah. there's no separation so if any one of those starts to take off the other ones are going to catch up um, and so that's why it's thinking about all three being yeah. equal with each other and then heading towards marriage okay we're running out of time so i want to say one thing from god's word i think it's john four or five the woman caught a woman at the well i mean she came to jesus having five or six husbands Mm -hmm. obviously broken right so please hear this they said there's forgiveness and grace Mm -hmm. uh she left her water jar went back to the town totally transformed Mm -hmm. and i believe it was a whole person transformation so realize, guys, there, this is, there is redemption and reconciliation. So we, I just want to highlight that point. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so I, we only got a couple minutes. I do want to transition. Do you guys have any soapboxes you want to get on before we end? <laughs> because I can look at Derek and Kelsey both. I know they got some, maybe some strong feelings. I can't really tell with Kelsey, but I can definitely <laughs> tell with Derek. So what's the one soapbox you guys want to get on before we finish? Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you limited me to one because we could be here for a while. Uh, and these don't come from me looking on my high horse judging. This is like I've been a, I've experienced this too. I've made these same mistakes. Uh, I think, and this happens, this could be guys, girls, whoever. Everyone does this now. Um, 
is that like being really okay before you're dating someone being in the gray area, like whether that's texting, sliding in the DMs, Snapchat streaks, always responding to Instagram stories. <laughs> There's a million different ways you do it. But we, we are, I see people over and over again being tempted to show people special attention, but never face to face. It's all this weird digital, I'm giving you more. And also you're probably, there's a good chance if they're doing it with one person, they're doing that with multiple people. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird thing because you're not doing it face to face. You're doing it all in this digital world. And it makes people so confused because they're like, do you care about me? And so what I would say is like, it's okay to use those communication tools because that's what they are. If you're headed somewhere, like if you're like, no, this person I'm specifically interested in. And so maybe like it's OK to to like their pictures on Instagram. I'm not saying you can't you have to be weird and never interact with each other, but you need to be headed somewhere with that. You need to be upfront and be honest. And because here's the reality. If we don't do that, the longer you live in this weird gray space with people, you're flirting and treating relationships like a 12 year old still like that's just the honor that's the it hasn't changed our flirtation strategy from when we're in middle school is the same in college and beyond sometimes and i'm like what like what are we doing like we're more mature than that we can you can be a grown-up man or woman walk up to someone say like hey i have feelings for you i would like to take you on a date what do you think about that uh and then what's the worst that can happen they say no and now you don't have to you don't live in the gray space anymore. You're not confused. You get to move on with your life and mm-hmm. think about that. And, and with that real quick kind of addendum to that is it's okay to go on dates. It's not crazy. It's not this insane. You don't have to wait until it's like everything is lined up perfectly. Cause what if it, the first date doesn't work out? You can go get coffee with someone and it can go either way. And, and both of you are fine. Like it's, that's okay. We like chill. It doesn't, you don't have to know that you know that you know that this person's going to be the last person I ever date again. Mm-hmm. I've got that figured out before we've ever even really talked to each other in person for more than 30 seconds. Like that expectation is insane. And it doesn't make a guy a player to have gone on, a, you know, multiple dates with girls. Um, totally. Like take her out on a date. <laughs> Can I say one thing real quick that's interesting in between us? Because I didn't grow up where I could even use social media. Or yeah, social media, there's apps on your phone. Yeah, oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, you can. But here's what I'm saying. Between the social media and the impersonal and the actual ask out, there is space to just relate and be friends with people too. So like if I'm cutting my losses as a dude, I would just say, don't come out of nowhere with it. At least talk to them in person a few times before you go for the date. Totally. Because otherwise I think you're using them too on that level. Totally. Anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. You can do fun friends. You guys hang out together anyway. Do fun friend stuff together. Like, Any, it's okay. Anything you want to say to the guys on the soapbox? Because you only got a few minutes here. <laughs> I know I know it's short, but give us your best. What would you say to guys? And then maybe what would you say to the women? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say this to guys through through girls, I think. It's like, ladies, do you want to date a little boy or do you want to date a man? And then fellas, like, how are you? Are you are you manning up? Like, are you being upfront, honest, clear, treating them like they're your sister in Christ, uh, you know, wanting them to want Jesus above everything else, wanting them to be on mission and sacrificial in God's world, or do you want them to be into you? Like, is your primary goal, how do I convince this person to like me? Mm-hmm. Or is your primary goal focused on them? Like that, if your primary goal is how do I get them to like me, you're, you're starting off completely wrong. If your primary goal is how do I get them to love Jesus and the, his world more, mm-hmm. then you can have a healthy relationship. Kelsey, what would you say? Um, I would say just, you know, I touched on it briefly with my personal story, like having dating and just being in a relationship as an idol. Um, And wow, like what could I have, what could I have accomplished? um, What could I have learned if I had been willing to be single in college? Um, And even, you know, after college, like what, how much 
closer to the Lord could I have grown if I wasn't, if I didn't have that as a constant distraction? How much more could I have loved and served other people if I didn't have dating as a distraction? So we kind of, you know, I at least like had this fear of, of singleness. Um, and singleness is not something I think that we need to try and avoid or rush through as quickly as possible. I think it's that season of singleness is a gift and there's so much good that um, can come from it. Totally. I mean, Paul says that clearly in scripture, like because when you are single, you are able to totally freely and recklessly love God and love people. Mm-hmm. Once you get married, you, you now there's a layer in between and there's beautiful things about that. But it also is going to your ministry will change because you have a that person becomes the primary ministry in your life. And there's good parts about that. But it's also the world of ministries is also missing out on your freedom that you had before. Um, one of my best friends uh, who was a couple years older than me at his bachelor party told me one time, he's like, now that I know I'm getting married, uh, I just wish I wouldn't have spent so much time wishing I was dating someone. He's like, I was such a waste. And so, yeah, if you are single, I'm not trying to brush over that and say it's easy or there's, there's nothing that's confusing or hard about that. But what I am saying is God can uniquely use you in ways that he cannot use married people. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's not, you're not missing something or you're not incomplete. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like you are fully... Have, you have everything you need in Jesus and he can use you in even more important ways and different ways than someone who's married and uniquely to single mm-hmm. people. So it is, it is truly a gift. Well, I want to thank you guys just for taking the time uh, and just sharing a lot from your experience and wisdom and from God's word. Um, I guess I would say as we finish this and as you think about in your area, if you're listening together or apart, having some great discussions on what is healthy. Uh, what is healthy for you and the Lord, what's healthy for us as we relate to other people, and just have a good discussion um, about healthy relationships because that's kind of the goal. So thanks for your time. Hopefully you enjoyed the content. I enjoyed being with the Wands on my kitchen table. Yeah, thanks, Rich. <laughs> so thank you guys, and yeah. uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. A dum dum da 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 dum dum dum